Hi everybody, I'm from the University of Leeds, my name is Ibra, and um, speaking of making all this invisible stuff visible, and Dave's talking about the actual doing of, of writing, that's exactly what I do, I capture writing happening in the classroom. So I report on some, on some uh, research for my PhD that's just about to be finished at the University of Leeds, and uh, I, I look at what students do outside of the classroom, and how that is used as a resource inside of the classroom, how the digital literacies of their outside existence uh, interact with the digital demands of an inside college environment. So I build on, I'm sort of building on recent work in the field of literacy studies, namely the work of Razivanich and um, Mary Hamilton and other colleagues, uh, who, who've, who've done lots of ethnographic research into what students in FE colleges do outside, and how we can sort of uh, fine-tune what goes, in, go, goes on inside of the classroom to accommodate that as a resource. Except in my case, I look at how students do that mobilization themselves using, uh, among many things, but most notably, the connectivity of cyberspace. Oh, uh, cheekily, I am tweeting as I speak, uh, the <laughs> scheduled tweets. Oh, there's an, uh, that's analogous to how I look at the assignment as something which is drawing in as an assemblage, an actor network, as Leslie talked about, from different time and uh, time spaces, times and spaces. So I'm tweeting, I'm, I'm hogging two spaces at the same time, the timeline <laughs> and the front of this room, so I hope you don't mind. No. Uh, right, so, um, uh, yeah, but I, I look at further education colleges. Now, if you don't know what further education is, it's, uh, it's a sector within the UK education system which is at really interesting intersections because people go to FE colleges for second chance school education, they go for higher education, so it links them to the concerns of the SREG, and they also go for, uh, most famously, for vocational work, vocational courses. And so that it's at very interesting intersections. Uh, you get all sorts of students in an FE college, from pre-entry ESOL all the way up to master's level. And it, uh, Gareth Perry has written extensively on FE, and he says it's kind of under-researched. And there's some, lot of, well, there's some, but uh, this was a very extensive project by Rosivinich and her colleagues on literacy studies in FE. But even they say it's the poor relation in terms of research and in literacy in FE. So there's a lot of work to be done. And I draw from uh, literacy practices in digital environments, so digital literacy as well. I draw from the field of digital literacy studies. And I focus on how student work gets done, how they cobble these things together that they then hand in to you, to, to us. And I capture it in the classroom because I'm looking at the institutional understanding of digital literacy versus the students' own digital literacies. That's why I look at it in the, in the institution. And these are my research questions. What are the digital literacy practices of the adult learners when doing written work, e.g. assignments, in a classroom? What happens? Doing the anthropological thing, really actually just finding out what happens first. How do these digital literacy practices interact <coughs> with and relate to the learners' backgrounds and, and their personal stuff? And how do these digital literacy practices relate to the digital demands of the programmes of study? How are course assignments constructed? So I trace the sort of the multiplicity of human and non-human actors involved in the digital literacy practices, which are choreographed into the becoming of the assignment. Um, and what bundles of practices go into that thing at the end? Uh, I multimodally capture the assignment with a screen capture plus an audio-video recording of the student doing the assignment. That part of my methodology is ethno-methodological, which means that I'm interested in how the social order or the ontology of the classroom, the assignment, the teacher, are held up by a choreography of practices. Certain things hold this up. 
um, Dave talked about inventiveness. Well, I call it the dramaturgy of formal learning. It's mm. held up by certain formal things, uh, and then there's the student's actual doing, which is sometimes coherent with that. Um, and then I also uh, engage in ethnographic style research as uh, I uh, engage in observations around the college and the embeddedness of ICT, the culture of digital media use in the college, and also an interview with the student after their assignment to talk about their general practices and how they wrote it. So it's kind of ethnographic and ethnomethodological. But before I talk about that, I want to make a note about methodology because I think it's really important. In my endeavour to explore digital literacies and what's going on, I decided to sort of change, I don't use a sort of too strong word, but I wanted to sort of revolutionise methods a little bit. Okay, so I use a strong word. But basically, um, new understand digital technologies have given us new understandings of literacy. Right? Digital literacy, everybody knows that. New technologies have given us new types of methodologies to uh, do research, digital methods, visual methods. Everybody knows about that, right? But how we actually research the digital literacies hasn't really changed as much. I think we need to create a discussion between an evolution of methodologies and our new understandings of literacy. So new literacies equals new methods, as I like to call it. And this is not a new concept, actually. Because if you look at the early work in the new literacy studies by Mary Hamilton, David Barton, and Brian Street before them, they reconceptualized literacy for us in a, in a different way. But that in itself brought with it new methods, or rather different methods, ethnographic accounts, of what literacy actually is. So that's not a new thing. I'm just trying to follow in that sort of thing, in, in that tradition. Their work was paradigmatically and subsequently methodologically radical. So I think as we reconceptualize literacy, we <coughs> take a look at our methods again and say, oh, hang on a second, we're going to have to, uh, especially as new literacy studies attempt to <coughs> apply its ethnographic power and critical lens on the study of literacy in digital environments, it's going to have to look at its methods a little bit, perhaps. So I want to explore, sort of, and, and there's work on uh, how digital literacies are actually examined needs opening up, what goes on on that machine needs opening up a little bit. Because uh, new black boxes are created by digital environments. So theoretically I draw from three areas, uh, and this is the theoretical cup that I drink from. I'm not going to go too much into it, but we've talked about it already. But yeah, uh, that, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> so, uh, so I draw from social materiality. Um, Leslie elucidated that quite clearly. That society is made up of social and material elements, uh, and uh, yeah, but social uh, uh, artifacts and material artifacts only attain their characteristics through a entanglement with each other. There's no sort of independent agency amongst them. Agency is really the result of an entanglement across the two. And I'll give you an argument. I'll go to Latour for the argument. I'll, that's a separate quote coming up in the next slide, the next uh, thing. So I also draw from literacy studies, and they conceptualize something known as a literacy event. And this is coming back to the fore now, literacy, in literacy studies. Uh, eventedness comes from uh, sociolinguistics, Jaime's and the notion of the, of the event, the speech event. And, and then literacy practices are the empirical acts, also the abstract uh, values and assumptions associated in the literacy event. So I draw from that body of work as well. Digital literacy theory has come, <coughs> uh, come out from that as well to some extent. And, I, and so I, I, I conceptualize something as a, the, something what I call the digital literacy event as a unit of analysis, which draws from both these areas of work. Observable occasions in which digital text is central 
and where meanings are, according to Lancashire Noble, mediated by texts that are produced, received, <coughs> distributed, exchanged via digital, co digital codification. Uh, and in terms of socio-materiality, that's the argument by, that Latour gives us. And I'll just let you read that while I catch up on So, act network theory stimulates me into avoiding both the social and technological determinism by transcending these distinctions. Actors are, in an assemblage, can therefore be human, technical, organisational, political. The focus is on the assemblage and who's doing the acting, not a priori structures and things like that. So, even if it's a, a, a Google search, there is a lot going on there, and I'll show you some of that. An algorithm working with a human and, and, and a whole assemblage to, is, is part of that. So that's one of the main sort of theoretical arguments for social materiality. So that's the theoretical cup <laughs> and I became heavily drunk as a consequence. Now, this is important to me, this, this theory, and, and it's not just, I didn't just pick this out of the blue, this is really important to me because I think when people engage in digital literacy activities, they're doing more than writing on a screen at their desks. Their written work is undertaken alongside a host of other interrelated behaviours. Talk around the task, as we see the students doing. Uh, interactions with actors, across different time frames uh, as they mobilize work from previous assignments and rehash it into the new assignment as they talk to friends online about their assignment and other things <coughs> as they engage in other things online with lots of things. So I feel that a methodology has to look at the entire interactional context, what's going on on the screen, but also what's going on beyond the screen as they write in the act of writing in real time. Does this have sound, by the way? Can, can I play something, audio? Uh, it should do. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <coughs> Somebody can help us. Yeah, so uh, my methodology is about capturing it with, uh, and I've written a paper on my methodology, you can sort of see that uh, uh, recent issue of research in learning technology. Uh, so I, I get a high definition camera uh, and a webcam, high definition webcam to capture the student's screen capture of their writing as it's unfolding. And this is an omnidirectional microphone which captures everybody in the room talking about the work, but also talking about boyfriends and high heels and everything else. In that particular <laughs> class it was, because they were all teenage But uh, so, um, yeah, so, so that's the setup uh, for the actual capturing of the assignment. I then put it into a, is there sound on? No, oh, yeah. okay. Joyce, sorry. It's not a big deal, but I'll So <clears throat> I put it into a software known as Elan, and I transcribe it as follows. So. In a normal linguistic transcript, you, you will have um, temporality represented uh, vertically, right? Well, I here I can represent it horizontally through, the t through this um, system here in Elan, and then I have gesture and, and various other things here as well, and what they're actually saying, and then the actual assignment. She's Googling here for her assignment. So that's captured on screen here, and then the movements around. And that's the teacher. Uh, showing her where she's going wrong with her googling, she's being laid down a certain path in her assignment, taking her the wrong way. Video-based research has been around for ages. It's nothing new. It looks uh, like um, more. It looks like the 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 software package that they use for usability, where you've got the you screen. Yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. Screen I was yeah. going to use that, but it was so expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah, yeah. and you can do it cheaper now. Yeah, it's free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, and you can get the same sort of thing on, 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 on Elan can give you the yeah. same sort of thing yeah. as Morai. I looked at that, yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah. So the transcription is here. Discussing with the teacher about something to do with the assignment 
and other things. So uh, there's a whole body of research on this sort of thing, you know, workplace interaction and, and ethnomethodology and looking at the micro and interaction and that kind of thing. But I, I incorporated a bit of sort of linguistic transcription and um, yeah, and screen capture as well. So I, I looked at a, a few different areas of research and I thought, well, where can I get the best method? We went to composition studies to learn about screen capture, went to workplace studies to learn about video analysis, I went to you know, uh, other places to learn about this stuff. So, yeah, and then that was kind of uh, augmented by ethnographic fieldwork and participatory interviews. I got the students to do, after the assignment, uh, I got them to do Venn diagrams, talk about their literacy practices across home, work, and college as a student, as an employee, and then at home, and how these, and, and I told them to make the Venn diagram as messy as possible, you know, get out there and really scribble it, because uh, there's flows of practices and things like that that I wanted to demonstrate. So you've got internet code of conduct, I was taking pictures, I was doing all sorts of stuff as part of that, part of the research. Right, <coughs> analysis, okay, where are we? So this is case study one, Sarah. Now she's a level three childcare uh, student. Uh, in, a, in an FE college. Now what's interesting is when I went to, the, uh, to, to observe for the first time there was a trolley with laptops on and I took a picture of it and the guy thought what's he doing taking a picture of a trolley? Is he, is he off his trolley? But I knew there was something about this trolley, I didn't know what it was at the time uh, but I knew there was something really important about it and, it, and, it, and like a year later I found out what it was. When the trolley comes into the room with the laptops on and all the students take their laptops out and plug them in all of a sudden all these other material devices come out, their phones come out of their pockets and they can start using them even though the college policy says you can't use your phone and your, and your iPods in the class at all. But all of a sudden the big materiality comes in and the smaller cousins of materiality, <laughs> the smaller cousins come out as well and all of a sudden everything's, you can hear it in the background. And, <laughs> and it's like, I was like, what, isn't this like actually not permitted in the college? Yes, it's not permitted, but for some reason, <laughs> those things come in, and the small things are allowed out as well, They're, you know, and it's kind of weird, but, but I, uh, yeah, so the trolley was pushed in, and a kind of eruption occurred, <laughs> and I'm going to talk about eruption later, because I believe literacies also erupt, not just the devices, that would be, that, would be, that wouldn't be sort of respectful to the social material kind of or, uh, approach, it's, or it's like everything comes in, li literacies come in as well. So, how Sarah's assignment takes shape? shows all sorts of use of material artifacts interactions, but there's a few of them I'm going to talk about. The structuring agencies of college policies which shape and spout the kinds <coughs> of digital literacy she is allowed to do. I'm going to give you an extract from that. She's allowed to do this, this and this, and she's not allowed to do this, this and this. Okay, so that's shaping the kind of literacy, the kind of writing that's emerging. She interacts with online resources, government and uh, school web pages, personal social, social networking ties, and Google algorithm interactions which lead her down certain paths in her assignment. But she also capriciously violates the college policies, including contact with friends through social networking, some of which is nonetheless assignment-related discussion. The utilization of previous work, sorry about that if it's not, if we've cut out the bottom of there, but the utilization of previous assignments as a template upon which to begin the current task. In fact, that's the first thing she does is plugs in a USB, brings out all the meticulously archived previous work and rehashes it. Well, actually, in the first instance, she doesn't. In the first instance, she just uses the validation of the previous assignment in the sense of the, the, the font and the layout of it all. <coughs> and this reminds me of Kathy Kell's work about text trajectories, text of one situation and, and context and intention 
think we are segueing into another another literacy event, another te textual work. Uh, so, so let's have a look at that. So this is just some scribble I did when I was there. So she's, she's got an assignment here. She <coughs> used the previous assignment twice, in the beginning and in the middle. She goes and Google searches profusely, gets led down all sorts of paths. Teacher intervenes, advises her. Government reports, school sites. Friendship groups is also, um, uh, are also used in this assignment. And it's a kind of bricolage happening here. And I see actor network theory as something which uh, makes me kind of pay attention to not so much that or that, but really the arrows, actually. Just kind of, that's how I kind of see it. So this is the, this is the um, uh, college policy. Uh, it's got social, quote, and non-educational chat as not permitted. It's, part, it's, it's an unacceptable activity. It's got it up there with porn terrorism. and terrorism. So wow. it's not uh, an activity, it's content. Unacceptable yeah, content. Yeah, unacceptable content. Yeah, well, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah. And, and social non-educational chat are unacceptable content. Wow. Yeah. Facebook is like yeah. terrorism. Well, it's up there on the same list. Some people do feel that way. That's yeah. awesome. Right. Um, so you've got this as a structuring agency forcing a certain agenda as to what digital literacy actually is. And then you have the anarchic uh, practice of Sarah in getting her assignment. Notice this is to get her assignment done. This isn't to have fun, as it were. Um, so it's an actor which tells other actors what to do. Okay, it, 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 what's, uh, uh, it has a top-down structuring agency, and we'll, we'll, there's another case study where we'll see that happening as well. Um, applying a socio-material sensibility, like literally, as you should in actor network. I was wondering about these pauses between turns in my transcription, and I realised, well, these pauses occur while she's googling, mm. and these are interactions, almost <coughs> like an interaction with a human because it speaks back to her, it intrudes, it's another intrusion, mm. it's an intrusion of a, you mentioned that about algorithm agency or something to that effect, that it's not innocent. Um, Dave, you mentioned that your friend said, Google doesn't judge me, but it, it might judge him actually, it makes about 60 decisions in a second on who you are, what device you're using, what your, <laughs> what your, log in, your email history, whether you're male or female, it, whatever it can find yeah. out, it'll make, and if you Google Egypt, and I Google mm. Egypt somewhere else, uh, we may, you might get hotels, I might get the political situation or yeah. vice versa. So uh, these are not innocent agencies and I think problematizing algorithms, we interact with algorithms on a, what, how many, how many times a day? So I think problematizing this in literacy but also education, it's important because Sarah's assignment is actually almost partly written by the Google algorithm. I mean it practically structured it for her, you know? So uh, there's, there's the algorithm says it's quite recent in digital humanities. I think in literacy and in digital work in general, we would do well by looking at this a bit, maybe a bit more. That's another thing. Where was that? <coughs> yeah. but, but, sorry, very quickly yeah. on that point. Previous to Google, the 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 librarian that chose what was in the library yeah. was having probably a more constrained effect, although it's very difficult to tell on how yeah. the assignments got written. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll go down that aisle, and your book that you want mm -hmm. is on in that. Sh yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Because they've decided what's in the library, and I did yeah. ask a librarian once, "Do you think it's your responsibility to make sure only good material is in the library?" And she said, "Yes." Yes, of course they would say. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's. Mm. Anyway. But they would might look at that student, and they might think, you know, you know, I think I know what kind of thing he or she would want. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> or, or they'll say, "You don't want that." Well, even yeah. look at online dating. I mean, people actually, 
will allow an algorithm to do all the arranging for them and sure. decide. You, people used to rely on their mum for stuff like that. Oh, but and now it's like uh, <laughs> now it's like uh, the algorithm's going to yeah, do yeah. it from. It's going to decide who's compatible. You with want the algorithm to do the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> um, hard stuff. You want the algorithm to. Yeah. So, I, and also the representational system is a possibly, hopefully, a, some sort of methodological contribution I can, you know, offer through this. Um, so this is actually happening. She's looking for the Child Protection Act, but you know what? It doesn't exist. In the UK, we have the Child Protection Policies, and, and there are subsequent Children's Acts in the policy. So she's been led up to some, all sorts of, yeah, the Children's Act. You see, so she's been to all sorts of false paths looking at Australian legislation instead mm. of UK, which has a child protection act or child, yeah. So um, it's leading her down the wrong way and the teacher has to intervene. But no, it's, this is a kind of, uh, it's almost like a, it's a conversation really. It's a, mm. I'm sure if Gotham were alive today, he'd love to know, to know <laughs> about this sort of thing. Um, here in this transcription screenshot, she's um, contacting a friend to find out about something to do with the assignment. Uh, to do with her settings, uh, where settings meaning where she worked, where she did her placement. She's there. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm, she's a. <laughs> so I'm gonna contact her on my phone, and I'm gonna get something. Yeah. I'm probably gonna talk about something else as well, uh, like you know, what I'm gonna do later. But that's part of it. So. Um, Let's, let's just quickly go back, sorry. So all of those things are part of Sarah's endeavour to garner information for her assignment. And if we see the assignment as an assemblage in an act network sense, and if we follow the actors as Bruno Latour tells us to do, then we're led far and wide, we're led into the past as she brings in previous work and rehashes it for this assignment. We're led into the future as she almost probably used the current assignment as validation for a future assignment. We're led into her social life, we're led into her work life, we're led to San Jose, California where she interacts with a Google algorithm. So we are led far out. If we look at this ACT Network thing, it's really not context-bound. It's really all over the place. Uh, and shapes the structure of, of her assignment. Um, yeah. So all of these are kind of like a bricolage, as Levi Strauss would say. That is the making do of what is available to get a job done. And even if there is a plan, it's usually not followed in a, bri in a true bricolage situation. Some very similar themes with Anne. She's a case, she's the second case, level four. Uh, technology for learning and development is a course. She's actually a teacher and she's doing this professional development course as part of her uh, 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 professional development. Now, if you see, if you see in this uh, Venn diagram, there's a lot of digital practices initiated in her work environment. Okay? Sarah was about 18, 19, 19, yeah. Uh, Anne's uh, about, about 45. Did you give them the stickers? Are there stickers? The well, they're, they're not stickers, they're just, I just printed them off. And oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we just played around with them. Nice. Uh, there's a lot of digital stuff initiated in her work sphere, which flows into her student and home life. Okay? A lot of, a lot of initiatives at work saying, we've well, got to use this, got to do this, got to... And then those feed into her work. Sarah was the complete reverse. Sarah was all home, feeding into her student and work life. Okay? Uh, Anne's is complete reversal. Um, the blurring of boundaries in that respect. Uh, her, work, her assignment is a digital portfolio, uh, and it's all hosted in the Moodle VLE. It's, it's heavily curated. And what that means is, curation is, is an interesting word, and I know that Leslie and, and, and Martin also pick up on curation in their work. And it's a buzzword now, and you're going to see it around a lot uh, in, in, in a lot of things. But I think in terms of literacy, I think it's a very important uh, curation as literacy practice. 
because a digital portfolio is about how she used for this course it's about how she uses digital tools in her professional practice so she's got a blog personal blog she's got a professional Twitter account and she's got another blog that she contributes to with other staff members and she uses these other literacy activities of part of the past and fine-tunes them actually edits them to make them commensurate with the assessment criteria of now and then links them to her digital portfolio so they were written at different temporal and spatial locations but most importantly they were written for different intentions and then she fine-tunes them to make them uh, fit the assessment criteria so she create curates practically a lot of this a particular assignment now in a, in a content-rich society why can't writing be, cu be curation? Maybe writing is a form of curation. Anyway, uh, she, she links to the past, so we have she, yeah, she does that. She uh, links to the future with a Twitter account, which is ongoing, even now until today, uh, her Twitter account is ongoing. She also writes through the assessment criteria. She copies the assessment criteria, this is a digital portfolio. She copies the assessment criteria, you will be able to locate and contribute, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Uh, to enable me to contribute to, and she actually uses the assessment criteria as a scaffolding mm -hmm. to then she writes through it literally. I showed this to a couple of uh, professors at my university they said oh we do that sometimes when we've got to write a bid and we haven't got mm -hmm. yes. the deadline we actually copy the criteria uh -huh. and write the <laughs> out thing so we meet all the needs of the yeah, so I caught her doing it. I caught her doing it. And I asked her about this. Why do you do this? And she said, I've got a memory problem and I'll just forget. So I just got to have it in front of me and I've got to, I've got to tick the boxes. The, stu the teacher's got her boxes to tick. They're, those are passed down to her. Tasks within tasks, boxes within boxes, hoops within hoops, like Russian dolls. So that reminds me of Kathy Kell's work again about text trajectories. In this case, study Paolo. Okay, uh, ICT and ESOL. Okay, Paolo's in his teens, or the very late teens, or oh, fat 20, I think. Right, it's a social networking report. He's got to write about Facebook, Twitter, and how these things help his work. Now, this, this is really powerful, awesome, this case study, because, like, the teacher is so strict on how this has to be done. He's got to access the VLE several times to access resources, to, to submit the work, and to do lots of things. This is a, another powerful structuring agency of the IC college's ICT policies because the teacher is following policies of using the VLE. Okay? Now, uh, and this shapes the kind of assignment that's written and the kind of literacy is emerging. So, uh, to maintain the dramaturgy of formal learning, the teacher has to set a certain agenda in place. This is a contrary to the anarchic bricolage of Paolo and earlier we saw Sarah, didn't we? Uh, because sometimes they can't log in. And sometimes things don't work, work out the way they want. They are supposed to work out, and workarounds have to be have to be done. You know, uh, uh, and then there's lots of uh, examples of that. One is the fact that how long do I have by the way? Someone's coughing. Let me see. It's about twelve minutes. I okay, think. good. Am I reading that right? Fifteen. Right. Um, when I observed this class, I re I found a couple of things really interesting. At the beginning, the class is in an ICT suite, which is full of digital investments. Right now, the teacher couldn't find the key to the room. <laughs> which is, which is coming from inside. Oh, right. <laughs> the key to the room, which is, and the key to the room is held by a certain ICT designated person uh, because that room is full of ICT investments. So there was an element of waiting for five minutes, there was a bit of faffing around. Eventually they got in. Then when they got into the room, she said, Okay, get to the VLE. 
you have to get your assignment through the VLE. So they had to log into the VLE. Some people couldn't log into the VLE. So guess what? An ICT <coughs> specialist had to come in and help them log into the VLE. Then as they were doing their assignment, uh, they had to watch a film which showed them how to do something, which was, guess what, through the VLE. And guess what? That required a Java plugin. And some people's Java plugin wasn't, wasn't downloading or whatever. So guess what happened then? Somebody from the ICT had to come in and help them do that. So at every major, uh, at every stage, there were keys, both physical and digital, to spaces, both physical and di digital, <laughs> held by people who are so uh, held by people, the commissars of the kind of ICT ICT intensive administration. Yeah, I'm, I'm just because that it's all that's really interesting stuff. I'm, I'm I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on why there is a policy that you should do stuff through. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought you might have thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the te so Paolo's got his hoops to jump through, which come from the teacher's hoops to jump through, which come from an ICT policy, which I have got a copy of as part of my field work, which tells them to have a gold standard ICT or e-learning usage and you have to do certain things and she, that those are hoops to jump through which come from a strategic vision which is a big hoop whatever which creates hoops to jump through which comes from some guy who makes hoops for a living <laughs> yes <laughs> you know do you, think, do you think that strategic vision has been constructed imagining the web doesn't exist or do you think it's been constructed with, in a, with a protectionist mindset? Or do you think it's been constructed because with some kind of educational or pedagogical philosophy? Or It's been instructed with all of those things. Right. Right. And also uh, um, it's been constructed with, with you know, uh, an imaginary of what learning actually is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, it takes me to this here. Okay. Tasks within tasks within tasks. Literacies within literacies within literacies. And so this is why the actor network approach is useful for me because it allows me to dig out some of these practices and dig the ones practices within the practices and within the prose practices. And this is why the Russian dollars concept is very important to me uh, because because of that. There's practices within practices and there's tasks within tasks and there's literacies within literacies. Ostensibly, we have these frameworks that tell us what digital literacy is. When people actually, when it plays out in the real world, we get something completely different sometimes. So some actors don't cohere like keys for rooms, both physical and digital. Other, others get mobilized into action like ICT people or uh, workarounds around that sort of thing. This reminds me of, I'm not an expert on Deleuze. I've only accessed Deleuze through my readings of Law and Latour. So if anybody is, don't like, have a go at me. But it reminds me of Deleuze's distinction between the rhizomatic structure and the tree structure. The top, the, the digital literacy as it is construed by the college is a tree structure. It tells them what to do, it tells them what not to do. This is digital literacy, it's what you need to do. Well, 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 everything grows from one stem, but the rhizome structure is fluid, it's open, it's multidimensional, and it kind of defeats or competes with the tree structure. And the, 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 the student's use of digital literacy or is kind of like rhizomatic in that it has an anarchic bricolage, contravening the tree structure of the digital literacy. If you're an expert on Deleuze and you think I've got it completely wrong, see me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Please educate me. Uh, so anyway, it kind of reminded me of that. But uh, the assemblage notion is what I'm going with, and, and that certainly is consistent with that. Everybody's got hoops to jump through, yeah, and there's workarounds at every junction. What I'm trying to get, and that's the assignment being done, okay? Under the Russian dance. What I'm, what I'm trying to get at 
is that all forms of writing and literacy are messy, complex, and sometimes chaotic, as social constructs such as assignments are, uh, are sort of formed through complex social and material assemblages and practices. In each of these cases, I analyze a scenario in a learning environment in which a student performs a task using a variety of tools, instructions, and stimuli. The relationship between these can be described as an actor network, and uh, I believe that this approach shifts the locus of the research from the human agencies or technological agencies to the actual practices and what is actually going on, what is acting, be it human or non. Uh, and it frees me away from the notion of a context like a classroom to something, something much more than that. And it also, I think, it enhances our understanding of digital literacy as something which could be beyond the notion of taxonomic. Uh, kind of um, monolithic view of digital literacy. I know Liz is little written on that, and Mary also in a recent special issue of research and learning technology. And, uh, it, it, there's, a, there's there's talk around that now, and it's it's being done. So uh, this is important to me because the digital literacy practices, and this is very important for me, that go into the assignment draw from other assemblage identities. They draw from the assemblage of the helpful friend, Sarah, the assemblage of the FE professional, Anne and the assemblage of the ICT effective policies of the college in Paolo's case. Each of these identities is fashioned and held up by its own set of practices, which include the practices of the assignment. That makes me ask, therefore, what remains exclusively vernacular, what remains exclusively formal in a digital literacy situation like this, when it comes to digital literacy practices. The social material work done to complete an assignment, if it's successful, then a few forces and hurdles and resistances need to be overcome. But these can be like moments of jostling where one literacy which doesn't fit into the dominant notion of literacy rubs up against it and pushes it out of the way to get the work done. Literacies that, that therefore that otherwise have no place in the classroom can emerge as resources. In fact, not only emerge as resources, successful assignment completion relies on these literacies. Mm -hmm. Perry Gilmore calls these sub-Rosa literacies. And their assemblages have realities attached to them, the collateral realities that John Law speaks about. They have a profoundly important effect on the completion of the assignment, yet, this is a punchline, ironically, if students are judged against these literacies, they're deemed as rule breakers or not competent dominant literacy. An assignment, therefore, is assembled by the social and material agencies at play in a digital literacy event. Its apparent incompletion is a reality of a reality, is an effect of all these practices. This is called the performativity of practice that John Law speaks about. And I love this quote by John Law. And I would actually put all of it under it with a red line if I could. But I just put the best bits <laughs> of my life. So he says we need to turn to practices to see how things like things are done, including events such as this, assignments, and other things. Mm -hmm. Sorry? She was being enthusiastic. Because the. Yeah, so. If you just read that, I mean, if you're into literature studies or any form, well, anything really, I mean, that really, that totally, I'm really with that there. Look for the gaps, aporias, and tensions between practices and their reality. This is where you find out about all the subaltern practices, the subaltern realities attached to that. But if you go looking for differences, you will discover them. Really, it's like when people put four being in a sentence. Well, not sentence, but you know what I'm calling yeah, you read that. Actually. Yeah. Right, uh, this kind of research, I believe it can enhance our understanding of digital literacies as we explore how student work gets done when they're left to their own uh -huh, devices. 
the tactics of ripoff, <laughs> the literacies within the literacies, the cobbling together of work as writing as assembly. Now, have you heard of disruptive innovation? Yeah, mm -hmm. people it's really nice kind of construct, really useful. I would like to advance the notion of eruption. That is to say, when we use digital media, it's not really it's the literacies that erupt into the room which are then used as resources. Not so much the tool that's itself that is so special, mm. but it's what's done with it. So through that, I would like to advance the notion of disruptive as literacies flow in which otherwise could not wild and feral literacies that otherwise sat outside of the classroom and weren't allowed in. Sub Rosa ones, subaltern ones, whatever fancy word you want to use, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I think that, that uh, also I think the responsiveness and effectiveness of ICT acceptable use policies and digital literacy frameworks can be evaluated through this kind of research. But I hope there also a methodological contribution can be made or advancements in, on, on that as we use video analysis techniques. Um, yeah, um, in this way actually, I think literacy studies can speak to learning sciences and, 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 and uh, technology-enhanced learning using actor network theory, using this notion of eruption or something like that. Because it's not really the affordances that are special, it's the literacy practices enacted through the tools which have shaped learning and teaching and created opportunities. These are just uh, uh, references. And uh, that's it, thank you.